0: I welcome you back to your seats. Wow, it's been a while since I've said that. Are you ready to open your Bibles again? Praise the Lord. Why don't you flip open to Matthew chapter 12. Here in this church, we just go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, right? We're a Bible-studying, God-loving word church. And so uh, we are picking up where we left off. You know, no reason to go hunting down some passage because it's our feeling that God knew exactly what passage to preach on Comeback Sunday, and um, I'm sure it's going to speak to our hearts and lives. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 12, let's ask the Lord for his blessing. Now, Father God, as we pick up where we left off here, the gospel of Matthew, good news, the gospel indeed, that you became one of us because you you love us and wanted to pay the debt that wasn't yours, that was ours, the wages of sin is death. There was only one way, somebody give their life in our place, somebody without sin. So it had to be you, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a woman, the perfect God-man, able to lay down his life on a piece of wood that you yourself created. So thank you for that kind of love, a demonstration, not just the words, but we can feel how valuable we are to you by looking at what you did for us. So thank you, God. We pray that you would help us now see <laughs> with the Pharisees, the religious leaders who don't have a clue, have turned religion into a monstrosity, a nightmare. And they're the ones who who killed Christ, the religious people. So help us avoid being religious and have a relationship instead with the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the last time we were here together and you sat in these pews, as they uh, can be called, these seats... Our Jesus was still enjoying some degree of popularity, right? Words of authority that astounded people, miraculous deeds of mercy. The problem was the crowd was wowed uh, by signs and wonders, and the miracle worker but they didn't want to be in relationship with him. They loved the miracles, but didn't want to come under his call. What was his call? Well, if anybody wants to be my disciple, you've got to pick up your cross, you've got to follow, you've got to deny the sinful parts of yourself, the parts that want to live for you and you alone. You have to uh, deny self and pick up your cross and get used to having the world reject you like me. Join the club if you want to walk with me, that's what you're in for. And they said, no thanks. And so they started now officially in Matthew 12, where we pick up. They are now uh, officially turning away from him and growing cold. And they're led by the Pharisees, the sour face, pickle juice drinking, uh, Sadducees that were always complaining and always dogging the Lord right now down to the end. Uh, And why? Because the Pharisees finally figured out that Jesus was preaching a totally different religion than theirs. Theirs was a religion of rules and regulations, rules for the rules, and regulations for the regulations. They had uh, gotten the letter of the law, which was just death. It was just death. And Jesus came preaching abundant life, not the law, but grace, and newness of life, and joy, and happiness, and freedom. And so they said to that, we got to kill this man. (laughs) And so legalism has been described like this, an unhealthy, obsessive conformity to rules that transgresses the higher law of love, mercy, and good old common sense. And for uh, Jesus, the last straw, In their eyes was him breaking the rules of the Sabbath. They call it Shabbat to this day. That's the official turning point here in chapter 12, as I've been saying. And so just for a little background before we just dive in so that you can understand, uh, they took the Old Testament laws and, and that God gave Israel, and through the centuries they had oral traditions that they devised rules and regulations of what God really meant when he said, take a break on the Sabbath. We're going to tell you, and in the Mishnah and the Talmud, there are 12 full chapters about rules for one day. We would call it Sunday. They called it Saturday. 12 chapters, rules for the rules and so, uh, and to break them, they elevated those rules as high as scripture. And if you broke one of them, you would desecrate the Sabbath, and you—it was a capital crime. So this is a big deal. And Jesus came along and started preaching grace, and telling them to chill out. That the Sabbath was supposed to be a day of joy. And it's no coincidence that the preceding verse to what you're about to read is, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened by them. Take my yoke upon you, not theirs, because theirs will kill you, but mine, oh, it's light and sweet and good, and you're going to find out what life is truly about as you walk with me in freedom and grace, and truth, and holiness, and goodness, and righteousness. So one writer said the only ones more miserable than these rule-loving Pharisees were those who had to live under their lifeless laws and their loveless ways. But our Jesus is on to them, isn't he? So let's take a look at the first portion of this chapter. Here we go. Verse 1, at that time, the same time, Jesus just said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened by these knuckleheads. Verse 1, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. Oh, no. Verse 2, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, behold, behold, Thou disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Verse 3, he answered, do you guys read the Bible? Have you read in your Bibles what David, your hero, did when he was hungry and his companions were in need? Verse 4, he entered the house of God, the tabernacle there at Nob, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, 1 Samuel chapter 21, which wasn't lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Verse 5, or haven't you read in the law, the law is the first five books of the Bible, that on the Sabbath, the priests are working their tails off, breaking the Sabbath. They are, are desecrating what means to defile or disrespect the day And yet our innocent, verse 6. I tell you the truth. One greater than the temple is here standing. Verse 7, if you had only known what the words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. If you only got one verse from the Old Testament, we wouldn't be having this conflict. All right, moving on. I'm a little more animated, I'm noticing, than... (laughs) Usual, because I'm just happy. I'm just happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. Oh, I can't believe you're responding. Wow. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, meaning ritual. It's not ritual God is after. It's Merciful hearts of grace and love. That's what he's looking for. You wouldn't have condemned the innocent. My boy is here. Verse 8, for the Son of Man, a name for himself. It's more polite than saying me right here. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Wow. (laughs) He's saying the Sabbath was my idea. All right. Verse 9, no wonder. (laughs) Going on from that place... The next arena of conflict, same theme. He went into their synagogue, verse 10, and a man with a shriveled hand, the word means to be dried or atrophied, was there looking for a reason to trap him Is the word they asked, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, well... If one of you guys has a sheep and it falls into a pit on Saturday, you guys take hold of it and lift it out, how much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, and by the way, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the the other. And the Pharisees said, oh, my word, we're so wrong. We're so sorry. We repent, because you just did what only God could do to make your point. And so now that we see that, oh, we bow in submission and call you Lord. Not, verse 14, but the Pharisees heard it, saw it, and said, Let's kill him. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is sick beyond everything else. And no one really understands how evil it really is. And so here we have mind-boggling blindness, the blind leading the blind. So anybody following somebody blind is in a lot of trouble. And so, what do we have here? Two incidences. I've said two arenas, same problem, same point. One takes place in a wheat field, one takes place in a synagogue. We would call it a church. And so, uh, the same point. Two arenas, one point. People overrules every time. God's grace over law, mercy triumphs over everything. That's the point. Note-takers, we're starting out. Here, we're going to have an accusation that's made. You're violating the Sabbath. Number two, the answer, oh, no, uh, no, we're not. And then verse three, there's always a takeaway. Jesus points them always to the word of God. If, you want, if you're confused about something, if you don't know which path to take, you always go where? You go to the word of God, not some dude's opinion. You go to the Word of God. It'll tell you. It'll direct you just as it is in this moment and in the moments to come. God has already spoken and directed uh, hundreds of people right now, and we haven't even got started. And so let's get to their groundless accusations, and we'll go to both arenas if we have time. Let's do this, okay? So, yes, there we go. I'll paraphrase. as At that time... Jesus goes through the fields there on Saturday. His disciples are famished. They're not starving to death, but they're hungry. So they're picking the heads of the grain. And Luke tells us they're rubbing them, blowing and separating and and down in some of those kernels, right? And the Pharisees see this and they say, good gravy, Marie, Uh, your disciples are desecrating the, the temple. Now... I am so happy to hear that cell phone go off right now. (laughs) I am just so pleased. (laughs) A human being with a phone. (laughs) Thank you. All right, here's what I want to first say as you're staring at these verses. Number one, nothing worse than evil masquerading itself as good. You know, oh, it's for the glory of God that we're doing this, you know. Uh, It is for uh, the love of the day, you know, and this is what it is. Always smokescreen lies to cover up persecuting and doing people harm in the name of social injustice, and it's the same today today. People are so uh, outraged that they're going to kill people and, and ruin people's businesses and, and loot the stores because they're, they're so, uh, so concerned about justice. And so you beat people up and rob the stores in the name of justice? This is exactly what's going on here. Oh, we care about the day. No, you don't. You don't care anything about the day. You care about your own biases and your own opinions, and you're up to no good. And so what's the basis of the charge against the disciples? You think it's stealing or trespassing? No. Think again. Now, so um, the Bible said there in Deuteronomy 23, you're allowed to go through your neighbor's grain fields if you're traveling or if you're indigent, if you're poor. There's no welfare system. So God told the farmers, when you go through to collect your harvest, don't go through twice, just once, and leave the gleanings for the poor. And don't go to every last edge because travelers are going through. There's no in and outs on the interstates there. There's no AM, PMs. There's nothing to stop and get a a snack. So I want you to leave the rows open, and they couldn't use a sickle. They couldn't go in and just you know, clean house, as it were. They could go by and do what they were doing. What was the problem? It was Sunday, and you're not allowed. Sunday is our Sunday. I'll probably use that a lot for the Sabbath. They weren't allowed to work, and so the Pharisees had a long, long, long list of what work involved, and to pick (laughs) some grain and put it in your mouth was working, and so they were violating the seventh day. Now, the, the, the seventh day, the Sabbath, it means to cease. The Greek word sabbah, with two Bs. When you have two Bs in a Greek back-to-back, back, you have an exclamation point. So God was saying, rest, take a break. Life, and here's what he, the Sabbath was all about. Two things, really. One was to covenant with his people and saying, you're the only people in the world who are going to take a break and worship me. Everybody else is going to be on a rat race, the hamster in the cages, in the circles, going around and around thinking, it's me, me, me. Work, 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 gather, 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 get, get, get. But not my covenanted people. Knit into your very way of life once a week. You will take a break. You'll trust me. You will rest from your labors and take a day off and rest and rejuvenate and love me and love your family. Take a walk, but don't go to your regular businesses. That's all. Pretty simple. But the Pharisees said, we'll need to write 12 chapters about what that meant to take a break. And so <laughs> what they turned the break into, the holiday, it was supposed to be a holiday. From God's point of view, it's a holiday. And they turned it into a holiday horror with their rules and regulations. Some of them I'll tell you about here. the fourth commandment was really the only one that's not repeated. All of the nine, other ones are repeated in the New Testament and because all of them are still in place, except the fourth. Why isn't the fourth uh, repeated? Because Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath and it was given as a prophetic sign that the Messiah would come and do the work for us and anybody who came to him would cease completely, two Bs, back to back, done from your striving, done from your trying. I just talked to a dude who just told me, you know, I hope my good deeds outweigh my bad on that last day. And I had to tell him, dude, it doesn't work that way because you're stained and there's nothing you can do to lift that stain. And the wages of your sin is death. And you can't make death go away by being kind of a good guy once in a while. But the God-man came, and he did the work. This is the gospel. Oh, Jesus, what do we have to do to read the, the work that God requires? John chapter 6. And quoting Jesus, Jesus says, believe the one he sent. Done. That's the gospel is ceasing from our labors. Hebrew chapter 4 says that the Sabbath day doesn't need to be kept for anybody in Christ because you're keeping the Sabbath in Christ. You're resting. Oh, well, when we stand before God, it's not, even not one righteous thing. All we did was bring to the table a bunch of sin and craziness and chaos and helplessness and hopelessness. That's what we brought. Right? And he says, You can rest from all of that guilt and shame and fear and all of that. That's the gospel. And so they turned it into a nightmare, 12 chapters, right? I'll give you a couple examples. Now, they could have charged them with violating the Sabbath. God said, Please don't take a journey. Don't go on a big journey. Don't plan a big journey. People get that. On, on Saturday. Don't do that. So they decided, we'll decide that it's a thousand yards. That's what God meant. God <laughs> God meant God meant a half a mile, right? So they could have said, hey, you're more than a half a mile away from your house, but they couldn't do that, could they? Why? Because they were twice as far from their homes, <laughs> right? So they couldn't nail them there. So they stuck with the original charge of working. On the Sabbath day, and what were they doing? And, and this was, I mean, this is a pun, they were stalking Jesus in the stocks <laughs> of the week. They really were, they're stalking him. How weird to see Pharisees, they, they're called phylacteries, and they put Deuteronomy 6 5, the verse, on their foreheads. God meant it figuratively, <laughs> like, keep it in mind. So they put it on their forehead, strapped to a box. And they still do it today, right? So how would you like to be going through the grain fields, you know, and suddenly one pops up, (laughs) you know, with a box on his head, you know, saying, thou sinner, right? Oh, man, terrible. And so they had a lot of things. You couldn't carry a burden. God said, don't do your regular jobs, lifting and hauling and all of that. That's easy, but they said, you know what that means? You can't pick up anything that weighs more than a dried fig, (laughs) all right? And so a dried fig doesn't weigh a lot, so pretty much you couldn't touch anything, right? And so, uh, you know, remember when Jesus in John chapter 5 on purpose tells the guy he heals who's crippled, he looks at him and he says, hey, and by the way, pick up your mat, Oh, you didn't get that, did you? Jesus says, I know it's Saturday, and you're not supposed to lift anything that weighs more than a dried fig, according to them, but pick it up and walk right by him. And they said, if you remember, they they didn't even see, they didn't even ask a question about being crippled for 38 years. Oh, no, they asked, who told you you could pick up your mat? Do you know how many dried figs that weighs? (laughs) Oh, I'm gonna let you laugh that out because <laughs> I haven't heard this <laughs> in a long time. My jokes have been falling flat. <laughs> Woo! That felt good. Now don't laugh if it's not funny, or I won't know the difference. Okay? Yeah. So they didn't see the mat. They they see the ma- they, they didn't see the man. They see the mat. That's amazing. So cold water could be poured on warm, but warm water couldn't be poured on cold. You couldn't take a bath for fear it would spill off of you, and you would inadvertently be washing the floor. (laughs) And you'd be doing work, right? Oh, let me go on. If there was a lit candle, you couldn't blow it out. (laughs) Chairs couldn't be moved because you'd create ruts, and that would be like farming. All right, a, a woman or a man couldn't look at themselves in the mirror because you could see a gray hair and pluck it out, and then you would be violating the Sabbath and displeasing God. Oh, my word, if you threw an object in the air and caught it with the other hand, it was a violation of the Sabbath, but if you caught it in the same hand, you were good. It goes on and on. A tailor on the Sabbath couldn't uh, carry a needle lest he be tempted to sew something that tore. A scribe couldn't carry his pen because he might write. A pupil couldn't carry a book because it weighed more than a dried fig, but also he might be tempted to read. Wool couldn't be dyed. Nothing could be sold. Nothing could be bought. Nothing could be washed. No fire could be lit. So the Orthodox Jews today have timers on anything that would would send a spark. They cannot drive the car. They do not drive on on Saturdays because it would spark something, and they don't want to break the Sabbath. And so uh, in Israel, they have uh, orthodox elevators so that you don't have to violate the Sabbath by pressing a button. The elevator will go to every floor every single time. And so here's what Jesus did. He got in the elevators. He pressed all the buttons. (laughs) That's what his disciples were doing. And they said, you know what we're going to do with a guy like you who pushes all of our buttons? We're going to kill you. That's what we're going to do. And so the disciples' crimes were fourfold. They were plucking, that's reaping, They were rubbing in their hands, that's threshing, check. They were separating the husk from the kernel, that's winnowing. And then they were prepared to feed their greedy little mouths more than a dried fig, and that would be preparing a meal. Four citations, which could get them the death penalty. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 23, these guys tie up heavy burdens and loads and put them on other people's shoulders and, and and they're not willing to lift a pinky to help them. That's what Jesus said. Right? And then he looked at them right there in front of everybody and said, you guys are headed straight to hell. And why did he say that? Because they represent God. They represent with their robes and their prayers and everything. And they're telling everybody, this is what God loves. These are the values of heaven. That God cares about rules and regulations more than you guys. And even though he wanted everybody to rest and love God and relax and rejuvenate on his holy day, they got the message, don't even breathe. What a, what a nightmare to wake up on Saturday morning and think, I can't move, I can't move, lest the Pharisee throw me into prison. Yikes, this is crazy. That's why Jesus said, you guys come to me and you'll find abundant life. And so, and the, the funny thing is, their thing, we're going to kill you. <laughs> You're going to set a trap for Jesus. And you're going to find out that actually he set the trap for you because it was his plan to die. He came to die, and he needed some perverted, sinful, evil men. And you volunteered. You raised your hand and you said, that's me, I want to do the deed. And he said, okay, let me give you a few times here. Are you sure you want to be the bad guy? It's not going to go well for you. Oh, yes, I want to play the bad guy. So he says, there's room for you. I needed a Judas, I need some Pharisees, I need some Sadducees. Are you sure? Because God takes takes no delight in the death of the wicked, but rather that everybody be... Uh, turning and be saved. And so we can go on. We've got to get through this, people. He answered, here comes the answer. Have you guys ever read your Bible? Verse Samuel 21, verse 3 there says, and then uh, he says where David was on the run with his guys, they were famished. Verse 4, he goes into the tabernacle and the men ate the communion bread which was against the laws, policies, and mandates of the state. The only ones who could eat that were the priests, and that was in Leviticus chapter 24, uh, if you're interested. And so notice that Jesus, as I mentioned already, he always points people back to the word of God. Here's some truth. Check it out. Check your Bibles. Open the book. They had a degree. They were seminary teachers, And so what a dig Jesus was saying. Your seminary teachers who don't know the Bible, what's up with that? Oh, no, they knew the Bible. They knew the Bible really well, but they read the Bible so they could become the Jeopardy! Bible champions. (laughs) They didn't apply it. It would be like I, I used to tutor in Japan heart doctors who were chain smokers. It's like, come on, guys, really, you're heart doctors. There was a pulmonologist, a lung doctor, who was a chain smoker as well. That's the idea here. Do you read your Bible, Mr. Bible Scholar? Yeah, we read it, but not for application. We just read it to sound like we're smart. You know, so uh the rules here. So he says, uh, yeah, David and his men running for his life. Saul was chasing him. And interesting that Jesus would go back to this, right? Because David had already been anointed as king, and we had a false king on the throne. And Jesus was already king there, but he was being usurped. He he was being rejected. Same idea there. And he's going to say, listen, the guys were like, David shows up with the hungry soldiers, and he says, uh, we're really hungry. He says, look, look, we only have the communion bread. The communion bread, there were 12 loaves laid out, representing God's provision for the 12 tribes of Israel. And each loaf had six pounds of flour used. And so they were fat loaves, right? And so David smelled the bread, and he's like, hey, you know, it's a holy mission, (laughs) we're hungry, I'm sure God won't mind, and he was absolutely right. Because it's people before policies, it's people before rules, it's mercy triumphs over everything. Now, somebody walked in one day and said, hey, I'm hungry, you know, they are not in need, you know, give me the communion bread. Oh, you're you're asking for trouble there. But the circumstance of need... Man's need triumphs the rules of men and the traditions and the routines and all of that. So uh, Jesus is going to use a rabbi, rabbinic teaching style called kawahomer. It means from light to heavy. And so he's going to go from lesser to greater. And Paul the apostle loved this way to debate. If God loved us when we were his enemies, how much more now that we're reconciled? This is the style. So he says, if it was okay for David, how about the son of David, the Messiah, who descends from him? If it was okay in that tabernacle, how about me? I'm more great than the temple. Right? So he's going from less to greater, and the rules will always take a back seat to human need. You know, curfews, like curfews are important. We had them for our teenagers growing up, the three of them. One time, one of them broke the curfew and he said, Dad, I would have been on time, but one of my buddies had a flat tire. I stopped and I helped him. Well, of course, of course, because what's important, the curfew, it doesn't matter. I oh, said 11 p.m. Well, that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is you stop and help your friend because your friend and being merciful to your friend is more important than the rule, the lifeless rule. So yeah, speed limits, traffic laws, they're important. But yesterday, I saw a fire engine speeding in the wrong direction right there on Mendocino. Why? Did he get a traffic ticket? The Pharisees would have ridden him up in a heartbeat. What do you mean speeding and going down the wrong direction? Well, somebody's life was at stake. It doesn't matter. The rules were what matters. This is them. This is them all the way. Uh, One of my pastor friends, we talk a lot about reopening and all of this, and one of my friends said, what if they all come and all they're thinking about is measuring tape and, 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 and blue lines and, and mask or no mask and, and where's the sanitizers? I didn't count all seven of them in the bathroom. You know what? Jesus would say there's something greater going on here. We can use common sense. We really can. We can be safe. But don't forget the reason you're here. The reason you're here isn't the rules or the mandates. It's the Messiah. He's here among us. Amen. Amen. Oh, wow. Praise the Lord. Let's go on (laughs) to (laughs) verses 5. You obviously missed the point. The part of the Bible where the Sabbath, on the Sabbath day, the priests are working their their tails off. They're desecrating, violating uh, the rule of the day. They're, They're completely innocent, right? Newsflash. Someone is more important than the temple here, as we've been saying. And if you only understood that one little sentence. So let's, we'll walk through it. So the answer here, now part two is he says, the priests, every day, he says that, check out the priests. They're working, working, working all the time. They're breaking the Sabbath, aren't they? Well, no, they're not. Why? Because their obligations override the general Sabbath guidelines because they're doing the work of God. And Jesus will say in another incident, and by the way, I'm always working too. I work on Sundays and Saturdays. And so does my father. And when he said that, they picked up stones to kill him right there on the spot because he said, I'm working. I work on the Sabbath. And so does my father. And we work together. We're one. And so they pick up stones to kill him. And he says, oh, for which of my good works are you going to stone me? And they say, for a good work, we don't stone you because you, a mere man, make yourself equal to God, saying that God's working and you're working and you guys work together. Come on, that would be like saying you're God. <laughs> Conceived of the Holy Spirit, no man was involved. The Old Testament, their scriptures say, and he shall be called Almighty God. Their own scriptures say Messiah is equal to God in every way. And so, so he says the priests are working Oh, yeah, they are working. They had two. They they did twice as much work on Saturday than any other day of the week. Why? Because they had double offerings to do. They had to lift and slaughter the sacrifice, and butchery was involved, and they had to carry and those sheep and lambs and whatever they were doing more than, uh, you know, a dried fig cutting wood, kindling fire. They lit fires, and it was okay. Why? Because... Something more important was going on, the work of the Lord. And then if we jump down to Hosea 6.6, 6, where Jesus said, if you just would get one sentence in the whole Old Testament, we could be friends. You'd be going to heaven. You would love me. Everything would be cool. If you just got one idea, when God says one thing, it's mercy I'm after, not ritual. If you just got that through your head, then everything would be good. Well, I told you about I was a part-time pastor at a church in San Francisco. And they had just remodeled the chapel where I was preaching all the time Sunday for the adults. And uh, you could still smell the new carpet, right? It was pretty nice, right? And there was a guy who visited, first time in church ever in his life. And he got saved. He had tears coming down. He says, oh, I get it. I get it. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And he's telling me all about it, holding a cup of coffee. And one of the ushers came flying in. And before, because you weren't allowed the rules, were no coffee in the new carpet area. So I saw the look on his face. I knew what he was going to do. And the guy was like, oh, and I just I, I, just feel like I'm born again. I'm like, yeah, bingo. And here comes, let's call him Paul. Oh, that's his name. So Paul starts, and I go, Paul, this is our new brother in Christ. He just found the Lord. He repented of his sins. He's going to live forever now. Paul, please. Oh, no, he took him to task. Oh, that's really nice. But in the future, young man, we would appreciate it if you respected the big sign in the lobby, which you didn't see because the door was shut in that direction, the sign that tells everybody. And there's no exceptions. Maybe you think that you're above that. I'm like, what are you even doing in a church? Oh, my word. And I said things. Wow. And so, yeah, if you could just get that through their heads. So, yeah, let's go on to the closing uh, arena, if we can do that. Nice. Verses 9 and following, I'll paraphrase, leaving the grain fields, they head for church, okay? It's the Sabbath. That's what Jesus does. He goes. He has nothing to learn, but he goes, because that's important. Right, So he goes to church, it's the Sabbath, and the man with the shriveled hand, who is planted there? The other gospels just let us know it's a trap, and and they set him up, and they've got the guy with the withered hand on the front row. The leaders were setting a trap, and they asked him, is it okay in front of everybody? Because the law said, you could, get this, you could save a life on the Sabbath, but you couldn't do anything to make him better, because that would be working healing right so you could put a, you could put a tourniquet on somebody but you couldn't put ointment on it because then you'd be breaking the sabbath working and so they said to him in front of everybody is it really okay to heal on the sabbath when we're not allowed to work and Jesus had the guy stand up by the way in front of everyone and then he spanked them with this answer He said, if any of you have a dumb animal, a sheep with no soul at all, and it falls into the ditch on Saturday, you're going to grab it and lift it out. And how many dried figs is that? Verse 12, come on, guys. Uh, Healing on the Sabbath is just fine with God, even if you have to work. Verse 13, and Jesus commanded the guys, stretch out your hand, man. So the man stretched it out. was perfectly uh, restored. And Mark chapter 3's account says, Jesus stood with great anger and grief in his heart, staring at them all for their stubbornness of heart. It's like, listen, when God can't get through to you, Houston, we have a very serious problem. If God, if God Almighty, unfiltered voice of God, God who who spoke in the universe came into existence if that God is speaking and it's bouncing off of your heart because you are willing to not receive it on top of seeing a miracle well there's just there's is there hope for somebody like that that's why you got to watch your heart and my heart as well and so They set a trap, the Bible says here in your verses. It reminds me of Daniel's enemies. Uh, They said, the only way we're going to trip this guy up if it has something to do with the devotion to his God. And so get this, and I love it. They can count on Jesus not being able to handle a guy at church who's in need. They're going to trap him, knowing they can trap him into being merciful. Yeah, they know him, and so, uh, and this is a casualty of being a legalistic person because people are just pawns. You lose, you lose the value of, peop- of people. Legalistic people are not known to be affectionate. They're not warm and cuddly. Rule-based people are not very loving they're not because it's all about the rule you know so they're using this dude they don't care about him they don't care about him let's use the guy to trap jesus they don't care about him how about the woman caught in adultery they set that up they set her up to fall into adultery and then they dragged her half clothed because she's a pawn they don't care about her it was trying to trap jesus Again, that's how rule keepers who love policies more than people can be. They will destroy an entire economy, some people. To get at their enemy, it doesn't matter. They'll use a cause. They'll use a virus. They'll use... to take that person down. It doesn't matter. There's no love for the people, though they will feign love to that cause and people. So some of you followed me there. So the trick question is in front of all of them. Verse 10, Jesus said the other gospels say uh, he has the guy stand up in front. They put him there, so stand up. The rules say, you know, he could come any other day. This is, he's had this hand problem for years. It's non-emergency. The authorities have ruled his hand is non-essential. It is non-essential. You, <laughs> that's exactly. You think I'm kidding? No, I'm not stretching it here. They said, and I quote them, with the lady who was bent over, You can come, he stands up after Jesus heals the woman who's bent over in the, uh, it's uh, Luke chapter 13-ish, and she's bent over, and he says on Saturday, stand up, and and he heals her, and what does the ruler of the synagogue say? There are six days you can come for the work of healing, come back on those days, but not today, and Jesus says, any day is a good day day to alleviate somebody's suffering sir oh my word and so yeah so he fires back a rhetorical question rhetorical questions that's all jesus loves to do he doesn't say it he makes them come to their own conclusion which is so much more dramatic and so much more powerful like how could you have and then you have to answer it yourself. It's a bigger pal. So he says, you know, he, he says, so apparently it's okay for your sheep uh, to be helped, but not a man. And then he says this, Who's more valu- what's more valuable, the sheep or a man? And he's pointing to the guy with the hand. What's more valuable to you guys? Your rules? A sheep or this dude who can't use his hand? Where's your love? Rules are rules, Jesus. He could come tomorrow. It's non-essential, as I've been saying. And so, sadly, the world's are, well, the world's confused. You ask them, what's more important here? You know, the a dolphin, a baby seal. Black lives do matter. We've always known that all lives matter. We are the champions of the sanctity of all life. But I'll ask you, if you're up in arms about black lives matter, what about black babies? What about babies? What about seals and dolphins? Oh, yeah, seals and dolphins. It's safer to be a seal than a baby in a mother's womb right, because the world's mixed up. So Jesus already knows. By the way, when you try to rationalize with somebody who's irrational, uh, it doesn't always get you somewhere. And so let's close up with this. He says, he looks around and he says, and by the way, stretch out your hand. And the guy could have said, "Uh, uh, I can't. You know, can't. Jesus, it's been like, you know. I was born this way, and you're asking me to do something I've never done, I've never been able to, and what are you saying? Stretch out your hand. Hello? No, he doesn't do that because he's excited, and the word of the voice of God is in the place, and the presence of God, he feels it. It's like, whoa, this, something's exciting going to happen. So he looks down at his hand, and he's never, I've never done it, I was born this way, but you're telling me to do it. What, what, what? And there it is, as good as the other. And that's the thing, my friends. God is going to look at you and tell you, I want you to be holy. I want you to stop looking at things you shouldn't be looking at, gentlemen. And you're like, what? I've been doing this all my life. I was born this way. <laughs> Instead, you're going to just do it. Just do it. Be the spouse he wants you to be. Oh, I know I can. I'm new, you know, and all of that. Right? Sorry. I need an amen. amen. Thank you. Stop making excuses by saying, i never done it. I don't know how. It's never worked before. And just do it because he who commands enables you. Amen. amen. I hear a Harley. I got to stop. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father God, we look to you. Help us to catch what you're saying here and walk away changed. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Rock's podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.